Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, it's the 2018 year end wrap up. I'm just going to be, uh, I'm going to be, you know, talking to you uh, for a second, but then I'm going to be giving you um, you know, something that was kind of a lost episode, uh, of sorts. And that is the turned out of punk, punk wrestling connection live. It was something that, uh, I got to do and it is, it's a, it's a really cool episode. There's, there's obviously, as you can tell from before you clicked on this thing, there's, there's a million guests on this thing and it's, it's really awesome. But first, first, first. If you want to get in touch with me, you can head over to turnoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com, drop an email. You can also find the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash turnoutapunk. You can find us on various forms of social media at turnoutapunk. You can find me at, at Left for Damien on various forms of social media. Uh, there's also Tumblr pages and all sorts of other stuff uh, out there for turnoutapunk, uh, stuff on music, streaming platforms, and things like that as well. Uh, but if you want to find a way to support us, the best way to do that is by writing a review, rating this thing. If you're able to subscribe to this thing on your platform, listening to thing of choice, uh, and telling all your friends, just letting everyone around, you know, about what's going on. But speaking of help, this show would not be possible without the help of the fine folks at Vans. Vans has supported this show for a long time. They supported stuff that I've done in my band for a long time too. Uh, but they've really supported this podcast with no questions asked, brought me out to do live ones and things like that. And uh, yeah, so I got to say, you know, because this is a 2018 year-end wrap-up, thanks to Vans for once again just being there and, and supporting this thing without any questions asked, you know, just kind of letting me do whatever I want to do and just helping me keep the lights on and, and keep things going here. So thank you very much to Vans. Also, a huge, huge thank you unbelievably huge thank you to my brother Tristan Abraham who you know as you can tell took took uh took over a lot of the reins this year as far as steering this thing um do you steer a horse is that a mixed metaphor I think it's a mixed metaphor but anyway he, he really did take over uh in a major way on this podcast as far as booking guests and finding people and stuff not that he wasn't helping me out a little bit before but you know really t- stepped up and took it over this year and Knocked it out of the park. And we've got a lot of big ones coming out uh, in the early stages for uh, next year already. So I'm very excited to get to some of those. You're going to be hearing those really soon. 
I'm going to talk about those later on in the show even. So, yeah, we'll get to that. But before we do, uh, Tristan, thank you for everything uh, this year on this podcast. And uh, also a massive, massive thank you to Kim Ross, who worked with me for a long time on this thing, uh, left uh, we're working with my manager, Brian Schwartz, this year. And so, yeah, Kim, would not, this thing would not be where it is without Kim's help, believe me. And also Amy Abrams as well. Thank you to her as well for all her help on this podcast. And Brian Schwartz, too. Brian got us Jack Black this year, you know. Brian got got uh, Michael Ian Black this year, you know. So we we got some big big name comedians through Brian this year. So thank you very much, buddy. Uh, and that's it. All right, that's it for the thank yous. Now it's the stuff I've really been avoiding talking about. Uh, yeah, last year was a pretty shit year uh, for me. Uh, 2017, I had a great time. I really did. Uh, you can listen to those episodes. You can really hear it. I think in my voice. 2018. Uh, I lost my mom, you know, there's no other way to put it. You can hear that episode. Um, uh, I lost my, my stepmother, uh, as well. Um, you know, and that, that was also out of the blue and sudden. And, uh, there were also other things, you know, that happened this year that were not, you know, personal, but still hit home for me. I think hit home for a lot of other people, you know, the death of Anthony Bourdain, obviously is a big one. Um, death of other friends, you know, other people close to me, um, my, my wife's, uh, Zeta passed away as well. It was, it was not great from that perspective. Uh, job stuff was weird too. Uh, job stuff got really weird. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, so really early into the year, uh, around February, my mom passed away. Um, and I was contacted just before this, by uh, Madison Woodward. Madison plays in the band Fury. He's a promoter, does an amazing, amazing wrestling series called Suburban Fight Pro that has been uh, happening in Los Angeles. And uh, he hit me up to do the first one. He's like, I want you to come out here. Would you want to do a live podcast? We'll fly out, you know, no guarantees on anything else, but uh, we'll, we'll fly out. You get to do the podcast live and you get to... You know, and then I'd love if you could do some stuff for the show and, like, maybe ring announce or something. So I agreed. I thought, yeah, that'd be a, a great time. And then my mom's stroke happened out of the blue. And when that stroke happened, it, it, it you know, it devastated my world, you know, devastated my family's world. It's still, still devastating my world, you know, still devastating our world, you know, still dealing with it um, to this day. And, you know, so I hit a Madison, I told him what kind of what was going on and said, you know, I don't think I should come out right now. And he said, totally understand. Uh, and then I, you know, I guess still in shock about what was going on, hit him up again and said, yeah, no, 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 this is a good idea. I'm going to come out to LA. Uh, so I flew out to LA, uh, I guess two weeks later, um, maybe it was three weeks later, uh, and went out and, you know, met Madison. Madison was awesome. Madison put me up. Uh, I had a great time out there, uh, and I got to record this live podcast. It was, I shouldn't have been out there in retrospect. My mental health was not great at the time. I'm sure I was not very pleasant to be around, uh, and uh, I did this live podcast. But, you know, kind of in the haze about what had happened, I put this podcast out of my mind, and you know, and I thought, there's no way it, it was good. You know, there's no way it was something that I kind of want to go back and listen to. Um, but kind of like 2018 as a year in amongst all the terrible stuff that was happening, there were some things that, you know, I can kind of look back upon, you know, with like 
as being great memories. Um, you know, putting out a new record, uh, obviously watching my kids every day grow up and, you know, deal with grief was, was obviously something they had to do this year, but like just how resilient people and children are and how much they can kind of adapt to what's going on and things like getting to do, you know, this podcast and having this outlet and having people out there that are going to be listening to what I'm, I'm putting out, you know, and, and getting to talk to people about something as completely all consuming yet somehow also ultimately not really that impactful in the grand scheme of things, but yet super impactful in the grand scheme of things like punk rock and just getting to, you know, have this place, you know, have this thing, uh, that I get to kind of escape to every week. And, you know, I went back and I listened to this episode, you know, at the end of this year and it's pretty awesome. You know, there's some pretty fun stuff on it. There's some pretty great stuff on it. Uh, I really, you know, want to thank Madison and, you know, apologize for taking so long to put it out because he saw that there was this punk wrestling connection and why don't we make this thing real? You know, uh, so I got to go out there and make it real and I got to do the punk wrestling connection live. And I know no one likes live podcasts. Like that's, that's a thing, but this is something that you couldn't really do as a, you know, studio podcast or like a, Oh, you know, I've been doing it over, you know, the whole course of turned out a punk, I think over in various episodes, but like, you know, to kind of be able to sit down and gather as much as I could, the various people from the punk wrestling connection. There were people that I forgot to reach out to people that I, I just missed connections with people that couldn't do it. People that chickened out, you know, people that were away, but you know, what I, what I put together, I think is, is pretty good. And what, you know, got put together was, is pretty awesome. So you're going to hear everyone from Robbie Brookside to Lars Fredrickson to, um, Pat from Turnstile to Riley from Power Trip, the homie Riley from Power Trip comes back for part two and tries to tries to derail the show. And we and we do a super with each other. It, you, you'll you'll hear that. It's it's weird when it happens. I also my chair breaks. Uh, you'll hear that in this podcast. Um, hear Anthony from Ceremony as well with some of the most amazing stories ever. MVP once again comes back to the podcast to clearly establish his dominance for the most appeared guest on the show. And Bob Bruno, of course, comes back for a part two. There's also Brody King, who I want to give a huge congratulations to, um, as he is the new signee to ROH, or a new signee to ROH. Also, God's Hate singer and former guest of the show. But unfortunately, his segment didn't get recorded. Same with Darby Allen's segment, which is really unfortunate as well because Darby Allen stars in that, hopefully to be released in 2019. What I've been told is it's still going to be released in 2019. Vice, the wrestlers TV show that we did. Uh, and also just like a amazing friend of mine as well. So he's someone who I'm going to have back on for a real episode. So and Brody had a real episode as well. So you're not missing out completely on their experiences. That's going to be taken care of and rectified. But I apologize to them that we didn't, I don't know what happened. 
don't know, the microphone cut out or something, but that was all I got recorded. But that's it. Um, yeah, so, you know, I got to do this episode, got to record this, and now I get to share it with you. And this is one of those things that I'm going to look back on as uh, one of the bright spots in a year that was not as great um, as I would have liked it to be. Uh, and I'm sure there's people out there that are, you know, dealing with worse. So I want to say once again to everyone out there, um, you know, keep, keep fighting, keep going through this shit. Uh, also, you know, one of the losses that I experienced this year, Wenda Thompson, uh, my, my step mom, who I, I loved very dearly, one of the sweetest, most caring people I know, um, she, she lost a battle to depression and uh, committed suicide and it, it devastated us, you know, and it was something she struggled with for a very, very long time, like struggled, like unlike anyone I've ever witnessed, but ultimately it won. And I believe depression is a disease, you know, and just like, any other disease, sometimes, no, not any other disease, I should say, but just like a lot of diseases, they can become terminal. And unfortunately for her, it was something that was terminal, but it was something that she fought every day, every day to try and beat. And I just want anyone out there that's struggling to know that it's hard, but you got to try to fight every day to beat this thing because there are people out there that are going to be impacted by the loss in ways that you don't even begin to perceive. And I know that's not why you should live your life, but at the same time, you know, it's something to bear in mind. This year we've seen a lot of high profile deaths of a lot of really high profile people and I don't know. Hopefully we find something that works, you know, some sort of cure, something that makes people able to stay. Um, but I just want to say huge love and support to anyone that's struggling with mental health issues right now and depression. And I also want to say huge love and respect to anyone that is supporting people right now that are struggling because that can be really hard. It can be really hard to do that. So, uh, yeah, that's it. I've gone on way longer than I normally do on these things. And I know it drives people nuts when I ramble on sometimes. So I apologize to those people, but obviously this wasn't for you. So fuck you. Uh, and that's it. Uh, thank you for listening to Turned Out a Punk week in and week out. Thank you to my co-host on Turned Out a Punk Footnotes, C.O.T., Chris O'Toole, The Notorious. Uh, also, huge love to uh, the the host that I get to co-host with on Oil and Flowers, Buddha Blaze, the, the god of herb. And uh, thanks to Herb also for hiring me this year, too, to do stuff, because that's been a lot of fun as well. And that's it.
I will see you on the other side of the podcast to talk about what is coming up uh, next week. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Punk Wrestling Connection Live, presented by Suburban Fight Pro and turned out a punk. Hello and welcome to the first ever Punk Wrestling Connection in Los Angeles. How are you doing? Well, I want you to know, thank you by the way, but I want you to know in keeping with the theme of the show, this thing is going to be a clusterfuck because I'm dealing with wrestlers yelling at me on the phone right now. I'm dealing with a lot of things, but clusterfucks are the best thing to watch and listen to, right? So let's enjoy this. Uh, I'm going to start this off because I gotta, I'm going to have like all sorts of guests here, live guests, guests that can't be here in person because we are here to celebrate the fact that wrestling, professional wrestling, is the most punk-adjacent physical activity on earth. Some of you are skateboarders, I know, and you're like, well, actually, skateboarding, you're wrong. Some of you like that sport football, and you're like, well, what kind of football? There's like all the, no, you're wrong. Pro fucking wrestling is the punkest physical activity on earth. <laughs> and to start it off, we are now going to call the king of punk and wrestling. If I can remember my outfit. This is, uh, I've never done it with live phone calls. <laughs> Fingers crossed! Good evening. Robbie Brookside, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right. We're not live on air now, are we? We're live on air, Robbie. Okay, but I'm gonna go outside now. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. How are you, mate? Uh, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm doing a lot better now that I'm talking to you. Because I was just telling this audience <laughs> that you, my friend, are are the epicenter of this entire thing we're talking about today on the show which is the fact that punk and wrestling are intrinsically linked to one another in a weird way. And it all starts with you. It's a, it's a high thing to live up to. I, I, I never really thought of it until I met you. And then you, you said this, but like, it's been your life really. Wrestling and, and punk rock has been... I've actually just been having a conversation with that brains when I was a 15-year-old kid and blagging my mum and dad and said, sorry, I don't recall it, I blagged my mum and dad into thinking that I was going to be mates to do homework. And me and my mates went to Leeds um, to, I think it was Adams and Eve, to watch the Bad Brains. And we missed the last train back. And that was at the age of 15, but I think in 1978, 
my life changed because I went to my first wrestling show and I went to watch The Clash. It's uh, Eric's and a matinee show. I guess it was, it was like kind of like three or four months in between. And both of those in, incidents had an everlasting effect on my life. The Clash was, it was just incredible. The age of 12 and going to the Liverpool Stadium and watching Adrian Street and John Cortez and uh, Johnny Palant was was an amazing thing. So those those two incidents had a lasting effect and like fifty years later it's it's about forty years later it's still here. What why do you think these two things are connected like they are? Like right now, you look around wrestling, everywhere in wrestling, there's just so many people that grew up as fans of punk rock and also fans of wrestling. Like why do you think these two worlds seem to draw people with a similar mindset. I think back when I when I started wrestling, you couldn't get any further from like the connection would be because I, I remember getting into cars when I was a kid, like 16, 17, and eighteen, and I, I the, the rollerball rocko and. Um, Johnny Saint and well not really Johnny Saint but all, all the, the people of that era and the promoter would go well Brookside's got a tape here put the tape the cassette tape on and I'd put it on and I'd, I'd, I'd spend probably three hours concocting a tape of like the Liverpool bands and and what I thought the, the lads would would like and they just throw it out like after the first like 30 seconds of the song, regardless whether it was a C60 or a C90, it's something else. It's something on the motor, and I think I'm devastated. <laughs> and it's just, it was hard back then to connect because obviously punk and new wave was, was that, like totally different. And I think once, um, probably around. Maybe it might have been Nirvana's fault, or it might have been, I don't know, Metallica's fault, or there, there, there was something around that time that, like, kind of connected, um, especially in North America, with what was, what you know, like, it just kind of came together like two pieces of Lego, and that, that was there. And then people like Kevin Gill, who was, you know, doing his starting to together I've got a, you know he was a big big player in that sort of the no, metal never. punk hardcore kind of thing you mean trying to put together you know, right yes yeah 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 and you know like what he did was was kind of groundbreaker at the time and what was that what was that distribution from philadelphia with was his name john eng very very distribution yeah very so that that was uh, as well at the time. I think that helped uh, if my memory serves me right. But certainly within where I came from, people used to just look at me as if I just come over on a boat. Like you know, they just look at me and go wrestling. And like obviously at the time there was different genres, and I, I and I I was like into everything. I, I I'd go to like a I go to watch the business or into rides, and then I go and watch Crash or I go and watch the Dead Kennedys. So, but like 
other people wouldn't. They just stick to that kind of genre of punk or or your anarcho punk. So, um, but I embraced it all, and I, and I still do. You know, it's still to this day. I've just been. Uh, I've actually just been playing Coxbatter <laughs> in the dark <laughs> on the way up here. You know, so um, it's it's always a thing for me where. Uh, wrestling was, for me, was a process because it was something that I wasn't allowed to do and it wasn't accepted in the, in the environment and my, um, and yeah, you say zip code over there, but we, we call it um, postcode, so my postcode was uh, Liverpool 4. And when I started wrestling, I quit football or soccer as you say over here. Um I, I was given I was given like so much shit for doing it. And also like listening to punk rock, I was given so much shit for doing it. But it never stopped me and it you know, there I am now in twenty eighteen looking out on a on a, on a lake and a swimming pool in Florida thinking, yeah, <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> and and talking and talking to the lead singer of uh, one of the one of my favourite bands of, of it, I, if I can say recent era, but I know you've been around since like Noah, but you know I, I'm a big fan of what what you do, and not I'm not trying to blow blow smoke or anything like that. Just, well, I was going to say, Rob, you can't it, do this to me in front of a live audience because they can see it, me blush now. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> No, it, 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 punk, punk rock to me has been, it's kind of how, how I've tried to live my life, you know, with, with values and, and standards really. And, and trying to do that in the Western world is, <laughs> that's another entirely different thing, but the Western has, has given me my life, you know, it, it's helped me, I, I still can't believe I'm still doing this or I'm, I'm involved in this. And I'm, I'm a very lucky person to be sat here now talking to you and still in the wrestling business. Well, you're the only person in the wrestling business or in this world, pretty much, that you can sit down and talk to about very distribution, uh, you know, Cotsbar, uh, you know, uh, Rip Cords, all these bands, and then also talk to you about, you know, wrestling all over the world and changing the face of wrestling. But do you feel redeemed or, or not validated or vindicated, I guess is the best way to put it. Do you feel vindicated now because I'm in a room full of punk wrestling fans. Am I right? <laughs> it's not like it was before, man. There's a lot of us now. And it's and it seems like you were the one. You know, you were the you were the John the Baptist of this thing. You know, I, I never but um, I, I work with with our talent every day. And uh, yeah, it wasn't, you know, when I, when I first started, I got the proverbial thing kicked out of me. I, I really did. I, I, I got, I got, I got beat up in the ring and stretched and scared and whatever else. And when I came back into the dressing room, I got what we call the hairdryer, where they would all give you, I mean, everyone would just line up and give you a spare can. I was like, I was a 16 year old kid. Um, and yet it was hard for me. And I can go back and say, well, none of them would have done that. None of them would have come through that. 
of today's, well, maybe very few and far between. However, I'm going to work tomorrow morning and we have like 95 people under contract. And every day they train, every day they get in the ring, every day they do strength and conditioning, every day they do promos. And, and I, I've said this with, with uh, William Regal and with Dave Taylor, who are two very close friends of mine. Regardless of all the beatings and all the stretchings and all the, the amount of physical and mental abuse that I took, I don't think I could come back. I, I would, honestly, for what these these superstars, and that's why they're called superstars, because they are, because they, they, they live it and they, they sleep it and they work it and they do it all the time, every day. And I don't think I could, I could do that, what they do, and I have utmostly the most respect for these, these, these men and women who come to our, you know, and it, it, that's my job now or part of my job to get them to the next stage and it's um, it, it's a most humbling and wonderful job and at the same time since I've been here I saw Agnostic Front twice, I saw Mel Banana, I saw The Queers three times, I saw The Dwarfs, I've, yeah, like I still I still keep up my, my punk roots. I, for me this is, this is a mad story. Um, Sammy Zane is one of our big, big, big players on the, on the main roster. Um, when Sammy was down here, he, he, he said to me, oh, the dropkick Murphys are playing. And I saw them once in Hamburg, and I felt like they were like proper punk. And um, he said, but they're playing over in, um, in Disney, the House of Blues. So I okay, yeah. we got tickets and we went. And Everton, Everton played that day and they got beat. And uh, he's a big, I think, Montreal Canadiens or something like that. So he had the Montreal Canadiens shirt on. So we went over to the House of Blues and he parked the car up and we walked through and we got the tickets we walked through. And, he, and these two, uh, like, like obviously Boston girls, went, you got some, you got some ass wearing that shirt and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh no. And it suddenly dawned on me that, like, it, this is going to be, like, this is going to be a bit sketchy. It's almost like going back to a punk gig in, like, the early 80s, <laughs> with, like, all the skinheads and with England and top song going, mm-hmm. But anyway, we walk in, and we had VIP t- tickets up the top. So Sammy just turned out and he said, I'm going to stay at the bottom here, and I'm going to watch the show. I said, right. I'm going to take the chances up where there's, you know, there's adequate, like, ample room and I'm not going to get jostled or anything like that. So I went upstairs. So I could see him and I, I was almost like an irate pair, like parents where I was, it's not, could we not help that poor, poor, poor lad down there? He's getting jostled and all that because he had the Montreal. And I, I don't understand ice hockey at all, but it was obvious to me that he, he wasn't welcome. And then, like, towards the end of the set, the, the, there was, like, the bass player that dropkick Murphy's, like, a flat cap on. He looked a bit like a Peaky Blinders character. And he went like that. Who's that guy there with the monitor? And my man and Patrick said, Boston, Boston. Who's that guy there with the with the, the shirt on, the Montreal shirt, Canadian? So they got Sammy up on the stage, and I'm going, oh, what's, what's going on? 
So he, he said, hey man, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, he, he, he said, well, you know, my name's, my name's Sammy, blah, blah, blah. And he went, wow, you know, you got some ass work wearing that shirt there. There's only one thing I can say to you. And he went, security, get him out of here. <laughs> Kicked him out off the stage and, and then they debated into the other court. And I think that was the, the most funky kind of wrestling connection in the last couple of years that I could ever think of. You know, it was, uh, I know it was the Dropkick Murphys, you know, like the Pogues now, like, but um, just to be around Sammy, who's, who's like, you know, when I first got here and everything else, he kind of introduced me to all that. And I went, That's punk, isn't it? It's punk to be nice, it's punk to be good, it's punk to be positive. And in, in that way, it's punk to be a WWE person because it, it, you've got to be positive. You've got to be, you know, it, it, it's it's the thing. And that, that's the thing for me about punk and, 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 and wrestling. You've got to be positive and you've got to be in there and whatnot. And that's what I'm talking to you now, mate, because, you know, uh, you have to care and you have to... Yeah. <laughs> can't think of a better way to do it. No, and Robbie, I can't think of a better way to kick this thing off than by having you on the show. Congratulations, you're also the father of a new stardom champion as well. And this has been a thrill to have you yeah, on the show. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's an entirely different conversation. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it and everything else. But, like, um, the only thing I can say is that, like, respect... Um, and treat people the way you want to be treated. I've just been playing Flush Up Pink Indians before, and I think they had a great, um, like, slogan, strive to survive without causing them possible harm to others. And um, I think that's, you know, that's a great a great way and to, to try and live with the way you live and, and whatever else, but also try and, you know, put a smile on people's faces and, that's, that's a big thing, and um, keep on doing what you do, mate, and I look forward to it. I'm waiting for the next album on Matador Records. No, not on Matador anymore. We got we left there. It was a really bad situation. It's a divorce. Nice one. <laughs> and, 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 a, big, a big hello to uh, all the punks and all the skins and all the wrestlers and, and all the wrestling fans. Uh, my big respect for everyone out there. And uh, let's keep it going. Awesome, Robbie. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. The King of Wrestle Club, Robbie McTighe! <laughs> uh, I didn't get my bumper music on fast enough. But, uh, well, since we're talking about NXT, the WWE's indie subsidiary, we got to invite to the stage, and that's not going to stop rhyming. I, I have no more rhymes like that. Pat from Turnstile. Pat, you go to the stage, my friend. <laughs> Wait, don't sit down yet. Don't sit down yet. One sec. One sec. One sec. <laughs> this is your entrance music. Thank you. <laughs> dude, thank you for coming on this show. Thanks for having me, dude. And congratulations on the new record. Yeah, this is, this is like two days in. Yeah, it feels good. Thank you. Thank you. This is cool. 
And here's how dedicated Pat is to the wrestling punk connection. That was gimmicks. That was insane. I've lost weight. Like that, honestly, I don't think that was me. That time. Was I sitting weird? No, man, you were relaxed. You're in it. This Thank God good. this is a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Not a vlog. <laughs> Somebody got it. Well, when you start a live show up with a 20 minute phone call conversation, you better have some physical comedy to wake the audience back up. <laughs> Pat, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> um, you are about to take off to Australia any second, right? Yeah, tonight. Nine or something. That's dedication to the Punk Wrestling Connection. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show because uh, I got to experience Turnstile, the NXT connection. And I, but I want to start this off the way that I started this all off, which is how did you get into punk from the first time you ever came across the genre? Um, I, I, I guess, truly, it's because, you know, I, like growing up skateboarding and whatnot, I, I just kind of did whatever my, my brother did, my older brother. And I was, you know, this is this late 90s, 98, 99, and when uh, LimeWire was... Was big and the king. Yeah, and I would. I always just did this. I would just get on there and see what he downloaded, and I was like, "This is, I, I guess, kind of surface level." But I, I, the first real things were just like seeing him listening to basically, you know, Tony Hawk soundtrack style, where it'd be like mm -hmm. MXPX down the whole thing, and I was like, "Okay, I, I like what he likes, so I have to like this." So I liked that, and it kind of just through skateboarding world and, and through that guy being my brother and having to be like, I want to do the exact same things he did and then playing guitar and, and it was just a waterfall and then you go to shows and there was just a lot of, you know, in, in the early 2000s, once I started being like a, a teenager or whatever and I could actually go to shows, like before that it was just go to, you know, I would, you know, a lot of radio rock style and then I think like the final straw was just like where I actually was like I listened to a lot of punk and I was probably seeing a, when I saw I think it was De uh, Bane and Down to Nothing at this Spock Auto Bar in Baltimore it's like 700 people and I was like so scared because there's like this upper balcony and this guy just like walked by me jumped through like the little holes in the balcony and went down and I was like right. what like Let's jump through the railing. It's, it's not a big, yeah. It's literally like the size of this room. Yeah. But there's like this balcony that you can't even stand in. You have to like sit when you're up there. And he just like crawled up, just dove through, and I was like, "All right, I'm okay. all in." Yeah, yeah. That I mean, I, obviously, I was still listening to like the nor. I was buying all the Punko Ramas and classic compilation yeah, series. I had my Atticus comps and stuff like That's that. That's kind of like this. That's like the Smithsonian Library. Yeah. 
for us. Yeah, there's like some <laughs> bands that I like never even fully listened to, but I know those songs yeah. by heart, you know? Yeah. There, that's the other thing about those Tony Hawk soundtracks too, though. It's like you mentioned MXPX, but they went deep too. Yeah. Like they would have like the Adolescence on there. Right. There's Fall Out Boy covering Gorilla Biscuits. Like it was a cool gateway, I'm sure, for tons of people. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot like where I look back now and I'm like, damn, I overlooked this so hard. Like I just looked back then I'd be like, all right, you got a blink song and or whatever is on there and listen to, you know, Pennywise over and over and over again. But Bro him. Yeah. It's just Homies Pie and St. Clown Posse and Bro Here by Pennywise. The top two. They're the top two. <laughs> and there's all the other crap that other people did afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and before. Um, were you already a wrestling fan? Oh yeah, I mean, uh as I think more in those days I was more of a wrestling toys fan mm-hmm. because you know I would I would be able to watch you know, Raw when it started and getting further, I was probably, you know, I was born in 89, so I'm just, as soon as, you know, that when The Rock and Stone Cold were like these household names, that's my time, you know, mm-hmm. that's when I started becoming like a kid who wants to do bad things. And It's amazing how those stuff. things coalesce. Yeah, you know, it kind of, there's like these formative years where <laughs> I'm just, and you know, back then it was just, I never, my parents wouldn't buy the pay-per-views. I think we bought, like, one yeah. total my whole childhood. It's amazing but, not, like, growing up without the pay-per-views. Yeah. You feel like you had half a childhood. My parents wouldn't buy me pay-per-views. Dude, yeah, I mean, uh, there was, like, basic cable back then. You could flip to Channel 99. Watch or, it blurry. Yeah, I, I, remember, blurry. I remember seeing Kane, like, debut <laughs> through the, through the static. Him. Yeah, and we'd be like, oh, shit. You can see so, like, as as someone that likes skateboarding, punk, and wrestling, yeah. do you buy my argument that wrestling and punk are the most connected physical activity and music combination? See, I guess when it comes to the physicality, it's that's it's where your point really sets in. Because, like, otherwise I would say there's not a lot of wrestlers that are, like, fully connected, you know? Are there? I'm here, and we got Robbie Brooks that calling in. I think we might have a harder time in 2018 finding that many skaters that are super into punk that actually, on a yeah. pro level. I think that's in 2018. 2018. Yeah. I'm, talking, I'm not talking ever. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there was a time, like the 82 era, I think we'd be hard-pressed on the yeah, Robbie Brooks yeah, side yeah. to find, like, a punk wrestler. Right, yeah, exactly. But in 2018, right. the world like, you know, Old skaters, they were probably... That was probably a little more connected. Yeah, yeah, like Dwayne Peters, like yeah. know, that those those people punk. But now 2018. Exactly. Back then every skate video, what there wasn't there wasn't a lot of skate skate parts where it wasn't was to anything other than punk really. I got into a massive so, fight with Ian McKay about this. It was probably pretty hectic, huh? It was sucked. But you know what? <laughs> now I have another person on my side. Yeah, Give it up to Pat from Turnstile! Dude, safe travels, enjoy the tour. All right, uh, I want to play the entrance music bell. Like, that takes up so much time and it's super awkward. So, um, uh, so we're just going to have a, oh no, actually, I'm going to go to another phone call. Um, I don't know how this is going to go with these phone calls, so I'm going to try to keep a little shorter. But trust me, if this next guy picks up, it's a doozy. This is the awkward part when I'm trying to remember the phone. 
Please, please, please. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Four. I'm not going to let you guys hear that now. <laughs> I want to prank phone calls ruining that friendship. <laughs> well, nice night, Mike, next to the stage, the guy that's trying to ruin the show, my friend Riley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Riley shaved off his beard recently, so you might think this is a little child pretending to be the singer. It was a mustache. I can't grow a beard. You got like kind of like sh shit there too. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? It's good to see you. One sec. Oh shit! Can you go back to the couch for a second? My ass out. <laughs> see you later. Nice having me. Lars. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Everyone, it's Lars. Man, I was just saying, we just had Robbie Brookside on the show, and I was saying, he's the king of the wrestle-punk connection. You are the king of the punk-wrestling connection. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> all right, I'll take it. Okay, good. That's, that's all I expect from you to do, is just let me voice that upon you, and then unpack it later on. This is a huge thrill to have you on the show, because we've never really got to nerd out about wrestling. I'm not going to keep you up for a long time because I know you're super busy, but I wanted to ask you, when did you first come across professional wrestling? When did I first come across professional wrestling? Yes, sir. Probably watching Big Time Wrestling 1981 uh, on the local UHF station. And yeah, so I saw like Roddy Piper... This is the Invader, um, and it was the big. The big deal was that they were promoting Andre the Giant, and I and I just I saw Andre the Giant. I was like, whoa! And then I saw a, a match with Rocky uh, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas was the next match, and it was a tag team match, and that's kind of when I got hooked. So, and what do you think? I would say anyone. What would you think it was about the wrestling that drew you in? It's probably because it was uh, violent <laughs> and um, and uh, you know it's believable, you know. I, and I, I just, I guess, I was just at that age where I wanted to see somebody kicking somebody else's ass. Why do you think it is though that punk? Sure, <laughs> sure. We'll let that hang there for a second. Uh, why do you think it is that that punk and wrestling? have this connection because there's so many of us that love both things. And you're, you know, one of the first people that I heard of that openly love both things. Why do you think we have this shared love of these two worlds? Because I, I think it was like, um, it was sort of like this, it was kind of frowned upon, you know, that these guys were, you know, like, for instance, like when you played punk music, no one considered you like a musician or something. And, when you wrestled, you, you, I guess people didn't consider you an athlete or they were fake fighting or, you know, there was nothing real about it or, or whatever. And I think it was sort of like an outcasty kind of thing, you know what I mean? 
And same with punk rock. It was like, it was like kind of like the outcast sport. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and punk rock was kind of like the outcast kind of rock and roll. Yeah. You know, it wasn't accepted by normal mainstream kind of media or people as something legitimate. You know, it was considered, you know, something that wasn't real and uh, didn't have a soul, I think. And I think, you know, when you when you hear wrestlers from back then talking about it and how they used to live their lives and, um, you know, how nitty-gritty it was and how sort of real it was, um, you, you kind of get that, uh, you sort of relate. If you've ever been in a punk band, you know, I mean, these guys would play, you know, smoky, uh you know, a legion calls, you know what I mean? And that's where punk bands play. So I think there's a, there's a connection on so many levels between, you know, pro wrestling, the way that, 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 that uh, you know, basically where they gigged to is what the people thought about them, you know, the mainstream kind of population thought about, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you come to find that everybody secretly loved wrestling. Just they just would never admit it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 you know, people really liked punk, but it wasn't cool to say you liked punk because it was such a there was a stigma to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think both professional wrestling and the music, you know, punk rock, ha- always has had a stigma to it of some, you know, whether that whether that stigma was, you know. Uh, real or, or whatever, you know, or make-believe, you know, it was still kind of both, you know, sort of not, it was outside of society, really. Definitely. Dude, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, taking the time away to do this, man. Oh, well, thank you for having me, and um, sorry I didn't pick up the first time. Don't worry, it gave me a chance to humiliate my friend on stage, so it worked out perfectly. All right, well, good luck with everything. You totally fucking rule. Dude, you rule, man. Thank you so much. And thank you for flying the punk wrestling flag. Give it up for Lars Frederickson! See you next time, my man. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, dude. So, Riley, you got something to say now, buddy? Come on up, Riley. Come on up. Thank you. Give it up for my buddy, Riley! Thank you for doing this. Wearing my favorite shirt. That you yeah, have. You brought a, you brought them up last night. So I did. I decided to wear it today. I was like actually thinking about them this morning in the shower. You're thinking about <laughs> an obscure an obscure death thrash band from Corpus Christi. That's in honestly the shower. That's good. I swear to God, that's how I spend my mornings. I'm so pathetic. I like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I chose to wear a period for you. Well, that's good. I know what. Maybe I was sending that psychic signal to you. You know what the irony is? What's the irony? This record sucks. Is that I've never heard yeah. that one. <laughs> it's a Signs of Light. Oh, I, I really really like uh, their third record, Idolatry, or second record. What? what is that the the skulls? Yeah, and that's the circle. So yeah, sick. yeah, that's their best one. That's it's really the only one worth listening to. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. We will we'll edit your devastation. <laughs> so Riley, you my friend are also a soundtracker of NXT. Yes. Yeah. How, are you a wrestling fan? We fell forward in that. I had an insane wrestling obsession before I was ever into punk, too, from about, like, fifth to, I'd say, about ninth grade. And then, basically, once kind of, like, WCW ended and then, like, the Raw era ended and Stone Cold kind of stepped out. Sort of when it was, like, kind of when Angle and Cena started coming in. That's where I sort of stopped caring. But, um, like, I've always kept, like, a peripheral eye on it. You know, I I know who 
most popular wrestlers are, and I've gotten like uh, I'll check in every now and again. But I'm currently uh, not an active wrestling fan. But like after all this talk, it just hey, hold on. I, I was about to say, let's get him. Now, now hold on. That boo came from Brody, who I was actually about to say. One of the big reasons I was deciding to start getting back into it or start watching it again because of seeing how talented you are, you asshole. Come on, bring one. Already broke Dude, I already broke a chair because of my ass. You missed it. Take this one. Do what you got to do. I'm going to say that hurt worse yeah, than DJ High's chair shot. Go on, sorry. No, I was just being honest. I, I don't actively watch it right now, but now... What what else am I gonna do? So, well, I this is I find this very intriguing because I know very well the time you're referring to. Um, it's got the cool down. That was the great cool down in wrestling after the the boom period. Um, why did you leave? I just I think I stopped. It was kind of like a a weird. Is it? I, I never really thought of it this way, but like kind of like a post 9-11 and then me being really into punk, sort of like kicking back about these super patriotic characters that they're kind of putting to the yeah. forefront. I think that's what I really stopped liking about it was was it just became really clean and really like boring. You know, I always liked the dirty bad boy like bad wrestlers like you know like Beyond Stone Cold like Raven, even though they're kind of shitty wrestlers like the headbangers. Okay, and, I was gonna you know, say, like, I thought you said Raven's a shitty wrestler. I was gonna be like, he's sick. No 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 he's, he's always been sick. But you know like I, I just always gravitated towards like the misfit wrestlers, yes. as opposed to anyone that was kind of a, a nice, clean, clean cut guy. What about the literal misfits wrestlers? Did you like watching them wrestle? No, did not like watching them wrestle. No, no, no. But you know what's funny is that I, the first time I really was in wrestling, which I just barely have a memory of, was I really liked the Texas Tornado. Yeah. And then yeah. he just he fucking killed himself, which was like. I just I didn't really grasp that that was like such a a thing then you know it was like really kind of heartbreaking for me as a kid because I liked him in the Ultimate Warrior this is a good story that I don't think I've told you before but when I was like four years old do you remember when they came out with the plush like you can wrestle with it wrestle buddies all the wrestle buddies yeah so I got the Hulk Hogan one on Christmas and I was playing with it all morning and and I started getting really sick like. The, for some reason, over the course of the day, my parents had to take me to the hospital, and it turns out that I had gotten measles from like this sweatshop, Hulk Hogan toy, <laughs> and like, like could have died if, if they didn't like take me to the hospital. And I was like, because I was like, yeah, like just just going in with this thing, and then and then and then I was like, oh, mom, I don't really feel well, <laughs> just measles. You might, you might have caught an infection if you had rubbed up against the real Hulk Hogan during the same period. That's entirely true, too. Yeah. Hypothetically. It was a very realistic experience. That is very, that's yeah, too real. Shockingly yeah. too real. Was WCW going away like a factor? Because they called it the great turnoff, where like apparently like 10 million, is 10 million fans turned off and never turned back on? Yeah, I did really like both. So I, I watched everything on both sides and you know that was my big like if I did shitty in school you couldn't watch wrestling that was like my punishment and that was me like tearing the wallpapers off the wall if I couldn't have wrestling so there was a time when I was like very rabid about it but so when WCW went away that like that dropped because I didn't 
I was too young to understand the concept that these wrestlers would float somewhere else, likely, right? It was like, they were all dead to me, you know? So I didn't know what, what to do. And, and so that was, yeah, that was, I guess I was a part of the, the great turn-up, as you would call it. So, which is what also my girlfriend says every time we get into bed. Just opening up. Getting real. I saw a riff, I took it. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Um, so now you're in the business, kind of, because you soundtracked NXT. Yeah. You've got a feud going with Brody King. Yeah. So, <laughs> where are you going to take your wrestling career from here? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, you know what's cool is Jericho's a fan. We got the, yeah, but the, dude, uh, this is the, the Loudwire thing. He, he, was, he was really nice. Uh, Before we go further, though, can I hit the audience to a little thing? If you didn't listen to the Riley episode, uh, Riley is the guy that just doesn't like older people in the music business sometimes. That's not true at all. I sometimes. love a lot of older guys. We just don't have time to put up with their bullshit yeah. sometimes. So listen to the first podcast. I'm not going to bring up the poor bastard's name again. Jericho's a, a legit fan. He's, Jericho's. He, he's, he was like, look, there's, there's, I won't name names, but there's one guy that just kind of seemed to pretend to be a fan of the band for like cool points. We don't have to go back in this poor guy. We don't have to go back in this poor guy. But I do want to hear about... But Jericho seemed to really be like, really, really like uh, uh, embracing the band and stuff. The first time I met him, he missed our set and we were on this tour with Anthrax and Lamb of God and, and but he was asking, well, what are your influences and stuff like that? And he's like, oh, I'll check you out. And then I think like a month later, he put us on like a Spotify playlist and then, and then, uh, you know, a few months down the road, it, we got selected for the NXT thing, and then I found out he was hosting the little award show that we did, and it was. It Wait, was don't, no, no, don't gloss on that award show. Oh well, yeah, okay. So I'm pretty here's what I was doing before, in case you thought I was just trying to make fun of Riley. I had a I had a pretty funny moment where we were up on stage at a a dress rehearsal for an award show that was pretty low budget, uh, <laughs> with Jericho hosting. And it was it was us doing a Motorhead cover with Jamie from Hatebreed, and the only two people watching were Chris Jericho and a guy from Fear Factory, I think Dino or what? Dino. That's the guy's name. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was just really weird. And then they both clapped when we were done rehearsing the song. But what so. did you say when you got on stage that night, Riley? Oh, oh, I did say like like when we accepted the award. Yeah. Oh, I did say watch out, old timers. We're here, but that was just kind of like my way of saying get the fuck out of the way, old metal bands. That and what did Chris do when he got back on stage afterwards? I don't remember. Someone said he he had some kind of oh, uh, old guys. You better watch out, you other old guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't talking about him. I know. I mean, I know. You know. That didn't come out the way I hope that story would come out. So, I don't that's I, 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 if this was a podcast that people weren't watching, I would just edit the whole story out. Thanks. <laughs> no, you're an amazing guest. I wouldn't edit you on a guest. <laughs> no. Um, it's been a huge year, dude. It's been a huge year, and you're one of my favorite bands. You're lying. I swear to God, dude. And watching you go from this dude who I met years ago in Texas to like one of the most charismatic front people in hardcore. I'm saying it, my friend. Thank you. It's been a lot. It's been awesome. I mean, I mean, the mustache. I, mean I learned, I learned, I learned a lot from you, watching you, man. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh. 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 Oh.
You can't tell the wild the hugs out, Brody. Don't worry, dude. If you have some chapstick, we can do kind of like a, a live makeout thing if you want. Oh, give me a super. Give me a super. Hold on. Let, let's see if I can get this. Oh, no, 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 I'll give you the super. He can't. He does, he's got, I've got baby lungs. I shotgun it into my mouth. <laughs> I got it. Oh! Thank you, Damien. Thank you for having me. Thank you all. I'll bring this right back. I'll bring this right back. Yeah. I'm never getting it back. Thank you, Riley! Falling out that chair really hurt my fucking pants. Falling down a lot of me broke the belt too. <laughs> oh, oh, I got another phone call to do, but I really want to spare you for more phone calls. So um, instead of that, why don't I welcome to the stage, give it up to Anthony from Ceremony! Hey, bud. Now, this is something... When did you know that you were going to announce me just now? As I was like, ah, I'm like, I can't wait any longer to hear these fucking stories that we were talking about backstage. See, Anthony is someone who I... Like, you know, some people that, I, that you forget, like, are into certain things. I always forget how much of a wrestling head you are until we sit down and talk about it. because I dress like a warlock. Well, I dress like a mark. <laughs> diamond thief. <laughs> just like a diamond. <laughs> oh, that makes me seem so unromantic in the way I dress <laughs> in there to that. But you are not just a wrestling fan, someone that has had, uh, well, an amazing musician, but also someone that has had a lot of experiences with wrestling, mm -hmm. you know, like behind the scenes, seeing stuff firsthand. But that's not how we do this. We're going to do this the way we do this. Okay. Okay. Let's do it the way we do this. How'd you get into punk, Anthony? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the show? Um, hey, Sean. Um, I, uh, well, the first time, I mean, I remember hearing Dookie on the radio um, as, as a child and getting into the Ramones and the Tony Hawk. Who, who said uh, Pat about the Tony Hawk soundtrack, hearing, you know, Adolescence and the Kennedys. But I sat next to... Um, Scott from a band called Lifelong Tragedy, and um, Lifelong Tragedy was a, a hardcore band in the early mid two thousands from Northern California. You don't have to explain something. They have Google. Well, I don't, Google I don't, I don't yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> this podcast, this podcast is not about bringing people up to speed. <laughs> you throw people in the deep end, and you hope they come. So many show. times I listen to your podcast, I'm like, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Psych. Um, Real talk, so many times I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> like, Where are we going with this? So I sat next to Scott, and my uh, I grew up in the music um, in the music business. My dad uh, worked for MCA Records and uh, Electra Records before that. So I was I was a little I was kind of arrogant um, with with what I thought I knew about about music as a as a child. Um, so I sat next to Scott, and you know I was like, so what kind of what kind of music are you into? He was like, "Oh, I like hardcore," and I never heard of of hardcore, so I, I felt I felt stumped, you know. So I was like, "Okay, I gotta know. I have to know what this is all about." So I went with 
Scott um, to the first Lifelong Tragedy show, and that was my first uh, my first punk show. And then um, it's just been a seminal part of my life ever since. But it wasn't really until um, oh, and, and also Straight Edge. Um, I you know I didn't know what what Straight Edge was before before that, but I um, you know I identified with it kind of unknowingly. Um, and then when I found out that there were all these bands that, um, you know, lived this lifestyle, I was like, okay, this is the place, this is the place for me. But it wasn't really until Look Back and Laugh in the Bay Area where I was like, okay, that's the, that's the kind of, that's, that's the sound I really identify with more because a lot of what was happening then, like, Lifelong Tragedy was a little bit more on the metal side and we're like, really, really like melodic stuff and, in California, there was the, you know, a lot of this, a lot of strange bands, though who though I identified I uh, identified with on a, you know, lifestyle kind of on way. a lifestyle way. Musically, wasn't totally my thing, um, but then look back and laugh. It was like, okay, this is this is everything. They're probably like top ten best live bands of all time. Of all, yeah, they're they're amazing. And, and what's funny, I was listening to your uh, the podcast you did with Casey from yeah. Look Back and Laugh. Um, and I took, a, when you when you said that Look Back and Laugh is probably one of the most underrated punk bands ever, what's, what's funny about that is that in, in Northern California, where I'm from, that's not, everyone is like, Look Back and Laugh is the greatest band of all time. I don't think the records, and in case you admit to that on the show, I'm not talking shit. Oh, no, 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 no. I would never talk shit about them. No, that would be the wrong thing. That would be the very wrong thing yeah. to do. Um, but he even said on the, po- on the podcast that his... He doesn't ever felt the live the records captured what they were doing live, and I kind of I have to admit it too. Like sure, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of times. I mean, a lot of times punk and hardcore is better live. Yeah, but sometimes right. if you're like in a band like me, you benefit from the fact that people don't see you and you're in the studio. <laughs> but if you're like, but you guys are a whole, you guys are a freak of nature kind of band. We're we're freaks. That's for sure. yeah. No, no, I hear you. Yeah, look back. If you weren't able to see, if you weren't able to to see them, I, I guess it would be. Um, you'd be hard pressed to maybe think that they were as great as maybe you are. I think that they are. Well, now we plunge into the wrestling portion of the chunk. It. You're gonna come back for a real one, right? Can we do a real. That's one? up to you. Am I want to. A real one. Am I? Am I? Am I? Uh... Oh, you, I thought, should I tell the Jericho story? Is that what you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I famous enough for your podcast? <laughs> so. Chris Jericho one time asked me to be on his podcast, and I'm like, oh my god, absolutely, this is fucking amazing, thank you, Chris, and then he goes, yeah, but you're not really famous enough to be the guest, <laughs> so I was thinking you could just interview me, and that's how you could be on the show, and I'm like, you know what, fuck yeah, dude, sign me up, work with me. But that's what we want from Chris Jericho, we don't want humble from oh, Chris no. Jericho. No. no, and like, you know what? If someone in music did that to me, I'd be like, oh yeah, fuck you. Yeah, totally. Like, Unless if it was, yeah. If it was Prince. Unless it was Prince. Yeah, you'd be like, okay. Well, that would be really weird now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> well, this could go bad too soon. <laughs> where, um, where did it start for you? Um, me, I'm an older brother who's a year older than me. Um, we... I don't know how, I can't remember how we found out of, that wrestling was a thing, but I remember asking our dad if um, he would buy us uh, WrestleMania 8 mm-hmm. pay-per-view. So, 90, so I was six years old. 
Um, it was uh, the double main event with Ric Flair and Macho Man. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, which was so weird in in hindsight. Why wasn't it Hogan Flair? I mean, I guess it's been documented before. We don't need to get into yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's like there's some deep dives on that now. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so that was our our first wrestling um, introduction, and then uh, from there until about two thousand, it was every pay per view. Um, and then I have a similar story with, with Riley once it, once it was like Cena and Kurt and, and I found Punk. It was like, okay, that's, um, that's more my, what I'm veering towards. But then probably about, um, within the last 10 years, I got back into it. So there's just a little, there was a little chunk there. It was pretty much just high school. And what, what for you was, was it just the punk thing that made you kind of take that time off? Well, yeah, because punk was, it was just like, it was every weekend. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was just, there was no, we were all trying to do as many bands as possible with each other and there just wasn't, yeah, it's, it just kind of, I just found this new, this new thing that I fell in love with, but, um, and then later you kind of, you figure out that they are, they're way more connected than you. Or than you thought that they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's a, it, it's amazing, you know, to kind of like hit that point where you're like, oh shit, they do make sense together. Absolutely. And I think Lars kind of nailed it. It's it's outsider. Yeah. It's outsider. It's like that. It's like wrestling, punk, and like going to like the death rock clubs. Those were all. None of that was cool. Punk wasn't cool. Wrestling wasn't cool. You know, and liking Christian Death wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Where now it's 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 not that way really, which is a whole other conversation. But yeah, not Lars nailed it. Is that it's like the anti, you know, um, wrestling is like the anti sport. You know what I mean? That's why I don't I don't like sports. I don't follow sports at all. Um, See how I went for the pub because because high, sports. Yeah, because high, I'm not gonna I can't high five. That's sports. <laughs> high fiving is what sports sports people do. Um, <laughs> right? So we have my wrong. I think I think sports people do this too though. That's we're gonna yeah. know what you do. But do you know what? Sports people never do that. Let's just make out. <laughs> that would that, that would be, not be sports. That would not be my experience with the jobs in my high school. No. Really. Openly. No, they didn't make out with each other. In front of us. Yeah. Um, hockey camps were a different thing from what I've been told. And I went to a hockey camp. Um, but where did you, like, as a, you know, I almost felt that, well, I distracted myself there. <laughs> I've always felt that, like, wrestling's almost like a deconstruction of sports in the same way that punk's a deconstruction of rock and roll. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with wrestling... I like how there, there's no, it's this, it's this one on, it's a, it's one on one. Like punk is very like you're in it for you, mm-hmm. you know. And sports, the team, the team sports especially was like we're all, we're all this like, we're all doing this together. You know what I mean? And there, I mean, there's a lot of that with hardcore too, but that's not a lot of the hardcore that I identify with. You know, with with yeah. punk, it was like. It was very much like, um, oh, you're you're in this for yourself, and I feel like wrestling um, is the same thing. There's not this like weird team, like um, 
like buffing each other up and jock vibe. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just feel like there's there's way there's way less. Of it. It's like for it's for freaks. There's this like theater fucking weirdo angle to wrestling that sports is very like is very like down down the middle. So is it cool to talk to you about the China stuff? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So. You you actually, as I kind of alluded to before, you knew wrestlers firsthand at a very young age too, right? Yeah. Um, well, yes, yeah. So when what what Damien's alluding to, um, my dad managed China after she left um, the WWE, and uh, um, she. I mean, do you want me to just go? Well, I, 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 I ask you questions. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's what I, like, um, yeah. So. We're, obviously, you were a fan. What was this like when your dad's like? It was super. It was super crazy and yeah. weird. Um, so my yeah, it was it was really crazy. So the craziest thing was, um, so Anna Nicole Smith died, and the last thing that she did, she did a straight to DVD movie with China. So China was the last person to work with Anna Nicole Smith. So. The days after she um, died, her house, she, like, she couldn't leave her house because of, of paparazzi. So she came up to um, the Bay Area where I was living at the time and had Thanksgiving. So she stayed at my house for three weeks to kind of get away from L.A. And it was, it was everything you would think China living at your house would be. So at this point... You're a kid, right? Like, was this like, oh, at first? Well, so, I, I mean, I was a teenager. You're a teenager. So, she, she had been out of, of wrestling yeah. for, um, for a little bit, but she was still very, I mean, she was a public figure. Oh, she was on all the, you know, she got into, like, the reality television world. Well, you were telling me it's, like, the great, the, the highest selling issue of Playboy ever. Yeah. At, at, at the time and for years, I mean, maybe there's a thing. I don't think I don't any, think so. I don't think any magazines breaking no, these records today. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is that one Check, check, check. How do I sound now? So, one, you said awesome before. One person likes the way I sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's one more than me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she had the highest selling issue of Playboy, which is, um, which is a, it really, she, she's so much, she was so much more, I guess, famous to, to kind of simplify it than kind of a lot of people, I guess, would, would imagine. Well, yeah, like, like, you know, rightfully so, people talk about the rock and stone cold Steve Austin kind of helping bring about this era, and then like obviously the NWO stuff too, but China. Like, China's kind of written out the history books in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's a, and it's really sad because, you know, you you see any interview with most all female wrestlers um, now, and they're, they're all like, yeah, China. It was China. I mean, she really, um, she, like, she brought this. She she contextual. She really helped contextualize the the attitude era, mm -hmm. which was the big, which was at the time when wrestling was the biggest. Yeah, oh, no, that's just a fact. And when you're a kid and you're flipping the channels, China was like the, we were like, oh my gosh, right. what's going on on this channel? This is a and she she brought that era in, and it's right. amazing to kind of. She was an intercontinental champion. She was an intercontinental champion. 
It's like, yeah. Yeah. So were you still like fan enough at this point for this to be a cool thing or was yes. it just like a... Okay. It, was, it was a super cool thing, but it was also, um, yeah, so there was, a, I'm trying to choose my words as carefully as possible. Um, we can move on. No, 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 it, it's totally fine. But you know when you meet people who, who you see in a certain way and you kind of look behind the curtain and it, it, it just contextualizes it differently and... She was going through a really hard time, you know, she was really broken up about Anna, and she was, she was just in a really, she was in a really dark place. I mean, she was a, she was one of the sweetest and most kindest and giving people ever. Like, if she, um, she would help out not only any, any friend, but any friend of friend. If she had never met you, and I was like, China, Damien needs, needs this, can you, can you help me? And she would be like, of course. You know, that was, she was, but she was just a very, um, a very just, you know, had a lot of, a lot of issues and, you know, it was really hard for her to not have those like really be out in, in the open, you know, so it was, it was, you know, it was really, it was just really sad and, you know, this is the most simple way, way to put it. What brought you back into wrestling after this period where you had left it behind? Like, what was the, was well, there something, a match or something? It was, there was always a peripheral um, viewing. It wasn't like, I never wrote it off yeah. consciously. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a never like this, like, fuck wrestling thing. It just, it just didn't happen. I got into punk and, like, started, like, liking girls a lot. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, what, what that was supposed to be fu- uh, funny, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if, well, I gave you the worst transition ever yeah. to try to be. No, 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 so. no, it's okay. So, um, what, well, but, but what really, what like really made me be like kind of um, an every yeah, week person yeah. was I befriended um, Amy Dumas more, um, who you probably know as Lita, and just through punk, she like grew up. Um, going to punk shows and through heart and she's like straight up hardcore kid, right? Yeah, she's just straight up hardcore kid, and that's how I met her through through hardcore. And she hit me up and was like, "Hey, I'm getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Will um, will you be my guest?" I was like, "Yes, wow. <laughs> yeah." So um, and this was at WrestleMania 30, and um, we we went to we went to Hall of Fame and went to Mania, and it was like, "How did I ever?" Yeah. Not how is this ever not um, a part a part of my life? So that was kind of really the thing where it was like, it, it okay, this needs to be part of my lifestyle. Are you following okay. indie wrestling now? Um, um not not as not as more more now than five than 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 five years ago. Okay, but um, I uh, the the great thing about wrestling is that. It has to cater, like one of the things I love about wrestling so much is that it has to cater to so many different types of, of people. So the story has to be, like you could take, like so many of my of my punk friends who don't understand the connection are always like, I can't believe that you of all people are into wrestling. Like isn't that some like Mountain Dew fucking extreme sports shit? Like, no, not, not at, at all. all. Not at all. It's the, it's the opposite of that. It's the anti- of that and like well how do you have this there's like there's monday night and there's tuesday night and then there's the paper how do you have that much time it's like well you understand like you could 
take if you take a week off, if you if your grandma's in town and you have to miss Raw and SmackDown or, or whatever, you could jump back in because it also has to cater to like children and their parents who kind of aren't really paying attention. And the best stories are the ones that are that are easy to follow. Yeah. But are you aware on the indie wrestling of friend of the podcast, mutual friend of ours, uh-huh. Davey Havoc, and the cult that yeah. exists around AFI within professional wrestling? I was trying. Uh, the reason why I kind of went off there is because I was like, I felt like that's where he was going to go, and I was trying to, <laughs> to like. Um, yes. I no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes, I do. There's like how many, how many uh, wrestlers uh, are? Davey Havoc's three uh, unofficial children are uh, Jessica Havoc, Danny Havoc, and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, all of which took the name from him, and like actually are huge fans. And then yeah. there's uh, my God. CM Punk, like you could, we could sit here forever. And CM run Punk used AFI's um, entrance music. Yeah. Then there's um, God, there's like there's like so many angles. Uh, oh, what's her? I can't remember her first name now. She comes up to AFI. We were at the Shimmer event this summer, filming for this TV show thing, and it's like I'm like one, two, three, like four wrestlers came up to AFI songs. That is fucking bananas. It's bananas. That's bananas. Like it's like I, I love AFI, but yeah. it's just like it's like I can't think of another band in in. Music that has that kind of cult following within professional wrestling, which is so weird because wouldn't you think there'd be so many other? I mean, not to knock Affy, Affy, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, not to knock them, but I would not think there. It just seems like there would just be endless amounts of other bands that that people, but they they have they have always had this really cult. Um, following that kind of not many bands have matched. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think it's almost like it's this thing where I'm just really jealous. Yes. Because I want to be that band. See, <laughs> but you, I never even put my brain there because like there would be just, would be impossible for any wrestler to come out to ceremony. Yes. I just wouldn't, it, no one, no one ever want to do that. We we wrote Generation and I'm like one day a wrestler's gonna come out to it and it did happen and now it I'm did? Like, yeah. Brian Daniels. That when he came out in, in Ring of Honor, I yeah. signed the right way to the song without asking anyone in the band if I should do that. Yeah, no, you gotta you just you, I was like, yeah. Oh sure, let me not read this first please. Yeah, because worst case scenario like band breaks up and they hate you, who who cares? Who cares? Then, then him coming out to your band is better than that's cooler than you not having a band. Yet. Absolutely. That's like the one of the best wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Came out for two shows, granted only two shows, to a fucked up song. Like, strong. I'm, I'm alright with that. I'm alright with that. So strong. Um, also, I heard a story about Davey Richards tearing up when he was given a rare FI shirt one time. So that is like proof of the cult if there ever was that's, one. That's pretty killer. Okay, Anthony, this has been amazing. Please come back for a part yeah. two. This has been such it's such an awesome thing to get to do. Right? What what was just you had you had interest music planned out for everybody? No, it's the same. It's my bumper music from the oh, podcast, and I'm like, oh, people I was curious to what I was gonna get. To no, it was, I was, I was like, yeah, I'm sitting there coming with a Spotify list. No, I'm, I'm, it was gonna be the same entrance theme. Oh. I was like, but uh, oh shit, Robbie Brooks, I just wrote to say how was that? That is that's sweet. 
great, great, it's a great day. It's We're great having day. a great time. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. Mr. MVP, how are you doing, my friend? I'm not doing too bad right at the moment, man. You got a big echo. Okay, well, if you just hear this question, and then you just need to talk, because I'm only going to ask you one question. I won't keep you all night, because I know you're over in England. It's super late. Why do you think punk and wrestling come together so well? Why are there so many fans of both that are the one thing? I would say primarily for uh, for a lot of people, punk uh, is, is a haven. It's a place to go to get away from all the bullshit. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, where you come from. As soon as you walk through the door, you're down. And in professional wrestling, if you're a fan and you're sitting down watching wrestling, the same thing applies. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, what language you speak. You understand the story. And then... You know, punk is usually telling the story of anger, frustration, and angst, and and, and uh, in professional wrestling, it's pretty much the same. You know, it's it's, it's a time on their tail, good against evil, and you know, in punk, you're usually taking on the man, taking on the issues, taking on the problems. So there's no no pretentiousness. There's you know, well, I'm not sure the VIP lounge, but that's a little different. But otherwise, everyone's welcome, and everybody gets it. Doesn't matter where you're from. That's why you got punk in Europe, you got punk in Asia, you got, you know, we exported it all around the world, and everybody gets it. Same thing applies to wrestling. There's wrestling in Mexico, wrestling in Japan, wrestling in the U.S., wrestling in England, Germany. It's, it's a universal language, pro wrestling and punk. And of course, there's that violent aspect, you know. That's come up a couple times. <laughs> um, MVP, I'm not, once again, I'm not going to keep you, I just wanted to talk to you real briefly. You are by far one of the coolest people I've gotten to meet doing this thing. Thank you for coming on the show, my friend. Hey, man, you guys have a good time, man. I'm going to go ahead and fuck this one up to you guys. Awesome, buddy. Talk to you soon, man. All right, be well. I thought he was hanging up first. He's going to kill me. He gets pissed at me sometimes too, and so I'm worried about that. Should I stop and text him for now? If you never hear from me again, that's what happened. Please welcome to the stage, my friend, Bob Bruno! Welcome back to the show, Bob. How's it going, bud? Uh, good. Show the, show, show the, show the threats. Suzuki, Pile Driver Shop. You, was he there when you went to the shop? No, I, I bought it from the stash pages. Okay, okay. I went to I went to the shop, and he was like sitting there drinking the latte, wearing the fedora with the stance socks on, and I'm like, he's just like Instagram in real life. <laughs> Very jealous of that. I was like, this is amazing. This is the highlight. But this is the highlight right now, my friend Bob. What is it to you about wrestling? that has made you a fan for this long, do you think? I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a lot of different things besides the matches and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I've been an observer, subscriber forever. So even when I wasn't able to watch wrestling, I would just read that every week. 
And uh, so, and also, when the internet kind of became a thing, and there was RSPW, which is just like a news group about that, that's kind of what brought me back into wrestling from the, because I'm a lot older than everybody, so like, I grew up like Bob Backlund and that kind of shit. So, um, he, he was in the 90s though, so you could just grow up. No, 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 I mean, when, when uh, like Eddie Gilbert was his okay, okay. mad superstar and gave him a bunch of... No, I know, I was trying to give you an out, Bob. I was like, oh, you're, just, you're, like, you're 23, like me. I'm 44. No, no, I'm 23 forever, not me. What are you doing here, old man? I'm just a young kid. Don't be old. Um, so when RSPW started, just uh, that's when I found out about ECW, because yeah. that didn't really air. Like uh, It would be on some like weird UH chat stations or whatever. But reading about that, and then... Uh, and then the like war, Monday Night War is starting. That what is what brought me back in, and I've kind of been like on top. Well, not super on top of it, but I've been watching ever since. Pretty on top of it because you don't just watch like the the stuff on TV on the big channels. You watch a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, I was like uh, just buying bootleg shit like before YouTube. Like, uh, seen that was the only way to see Noah matches, Dragon Gate, like all that stuff. Um, and uh, I would go to local shows like Early Key, uh, PWG. Sorry, I had a few drinks. Um, <laughs> PWG, like the uh, what were the early PWGs? Was it packed it right from the start, or was it like a buildup? It was like a good crowd, like. Uh, but pr- I mean, I went to a couple of the veterans hall, but they said first time I went, I think was in Los Feliz. It was like a Jewish center, and that was. Uh, the main event was AJ and Samoa Joe, which is still one of the best matches I've ever seen. And like, uh, Jim Noble was on that, and uh, David Richards, I think, was the opening guy, and came out to Motley Crue, which I thought was really That's cool. That's was not AFI, though. No, no, it came out to like, uh, first album, Motley Crue. Oh, sick. Which was really cool. Um, and then, so I would go to PWE shows, I would go to uh, like Dragon Gate, did stuff out here, and then also New Japan, Go Go was happening. So I'd go out to those in Santa Monica again, just like to see like El Samurai or somebody like that in person was like a huge deal because I would go to Little Tokyo and buy like Gong and the weekly mags and stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I guess for a while I was like super into Japanese and, and now I'm kind of there again. Like I mostly just watch New Japan. Well, yeah, I was going to say, well, how do you feel like right now being someone that hasn't a fan for so long? It's, it's blowing up. Like, they sold out a, what, a 5,000-seat venue in, like, 20 minutes? Is that the story? Yeah, it's it's insane. Like, it, would you, like is this something where you're like, you knew this was going to happen, or are you shocked by the popularity of New Japan? Uh, it's, it's really surprising, but awesome, because, yeah. I mean, I don't know how everybody else feels, but I feel like WWE is super boring. So, this it's cool to, for them to kind of have a rival, mm-hmm. which... Like when WCW was around, it pushes both companies to be better. So yeah. that's what I'm hoping for. I hope they get bigger and it kind of wakes up the WWE to not be so safe. It kind of feels like it might already have. Like 205 Live has gotten a lot better. A lot better, right? Uh, we can all admit that. Yeah. It's, like, I, it's, it's better. I mean, but compared to the tournament, it's not better. No, compared to the tournament, no. That, I mean, that's no. a standard yes. for me of like what it actually could be. Yeah, yeah. But when I, when I see that, it's like, it's just it's it's just frustrating more than it's frustrating. I know I get that frustration because I feel it too. It's like it's like oh I know I know it's there. Like I want to see it. Like you know you watch stuff like 
in NXT, and you watch stuff, and you're like, that's 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 where it's going. That's what I need. That scratches that itch. Yeah. But it's great now. We live in this time where you know you don't have to order from RF Video. Mm. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to like you know trade your tapes anymore. You can have access to that thing that does scratch that itch at the at the flick of a button, touch a button, push a button. Push a button. <laughs> yeah, I used to buy like bootleg VHSs from uh, the singer from Brujeria. He would be at like uh, <laughs> comic book conventions uh, at the shrine, and I uh, I think he he would get stuff from like Dave's Wrestling Emporium or yeah. like, those kind of places. Um, and that's how I got into MMA too. Was like in one of those tapes, there was Bob Sapp versus Crow Cop, where he broke his orbital bone. It's like that kind of shifted me more into MMA and less into pro wrestling because I was like, this is insane. And also, then it was in Japan, it just like made me stoked. It's weird. We're also in a time where we're seeing like a lot of people from MMA show up in wrestling right now, right? Like it's not just. Ron Rousey or, or yeah. Brock Lesnar, Tom Waller, Waller yeah. Matt Riddle, uh, Shayna Baszler, like there's Blazer, there's so there's so many right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great time to be a fan. UWI or whatever. Yeah, what is that? What's <laughs> yeah. the one? What's the shoot? I'm really bad with the three letter organization. Well, there's a lot too, and they get confusing because like they have the same three initials sometimes. Yeah. Like TNA means something else, not just total nonstop action. <laughs> Well, it's like when Pride started. It's like Takata is the you know the Japanese wrestler who it was the spokesperson for Pride when they first started doing you know MMA and that took off. Yeah, big in Japan. Well, it's it's like funny how like like you like I know some people that love MMA that completely dismiss wrestling, but it's like now it actually came out of pro wrestling. Like yeah. if, if you look at it, it's like the history is kind of. Sh- yeah, there were work shoots, and yeah. then it just became like shoot shoots. Shoot shoots. Yeah. Suzuki is a founding member of, of Pancrase. Oh, yeah. yeah. Suzuki, right there. Yeah. So there we go. Well, Bob, this has been amazing, my friend. Will you come back for a part two on the podcast itself one day? Absolutely. This has been awesome, buddy. Thank you. We're going to get a cease and desist for this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bob! Now, please welcome to the stage my friend, the greatest DJ in the world, in the fucking world, Tuna! How's it going? I get your pyro? I don't have pyro. You don't have have to wait for a phone call, which is the other thing. (laughs) The phone phone call thing worked okay, right? That was kind of cool. All right, don't all yell at one. No, I didn't. That was. That was painful as shit. <laughs> I just want to sit comfortably. No, no, don't, don't lean back. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. How did you? Because you're not just an amazing DJ. You don't just play in in a great band. You don't just uh, you know be involved in punk. You're also a fucking wrestler. Go on. How did you get into punk? Um, I don't remember my like one defining moment. I remember my whole family's always been like into music, like super into music. So like I'd go to garage sales with my, my mom and my grandma and I remember buying like a punkorama, uh, going through like the bargain bins at like the record stores in my town. Uh, but like the first like show show I went to, I went to a Hot Topic with my sister and I saw they had a Cavill t-shirt. I'm like, whoa, that looks sick. And the uh, person at the register 
was like, oh, they're playing blah, blah, blah in Syracuse. And I was like, oh, awesome. They gave me a flyer. And then they're like, actually, we have this whole book. And it was just like a book of flyers of punk shows happening. Like currently, and I was like, "Whoa!" Was like, like a like a binder. Yes. In? Yes. Like people would be like, "Hey, can I my flyers here?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure, put it in the binder." And it wasn't even like on display. It was like behind the register, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, this kid might give a shit." And they like gave me the binder. We're like, "Whoa!" So the first like punk show I went to that was like a DIY like piece of shit show was a uh, toxic narcotic. Oh yeah. And it was so sick, and I was just like, <laughs> it was in this tiny ass room. Uh, it's called the Westcott Community Center in Syracuse. And it was just like, oh, like I, I needed to be there for the rest of my life. Like it was so, it smelled so bad, and there were so many like shitty drunk punks. And I'm like, this is the tightest shit I've ever seen. Um, everyone was like super nice, which I was really surprised. I'm like, oh man, all these people are gonna be like so tough and be like, fuck you, kid. But they were all like, well, that's cool, you're here. And I'm like, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I just talked to like the dude who booked the show, and he like told me all these other shows that were coming up, and I just like. That's it. Like, I was just, like, obsessed with going to shows in Syracuse. Um, At that time in Syracuse, there's, like, a lot of scenes happening, right? Like, there was, in uh, so and that was, like... a for those shows happening. I so. know. Well, they had a lot of, like, Utica area shows, which oh. were just, like, shitty new metal. Um, but it, it was weird. It was, like, there was, like, the punk scene, and then there was the hardcore scene, and there was no crossover. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like... You like Earth Crisis, or you like the casualties. Like, it was, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, um... I remember, like, bands like Tear It Up and, like, Rambo and, like, uh, I don't know, like, Outbreak, they were kind of, like, the bands that started bridging the gap. Like, they would get put on shows with, like, I don't know, uh, like, Bane, Bane or something. And you'd see, like, hardcore kids coming for Bane, then the punk kids coming for, like, the thrashier stuff, and then it just kind of became normal for, like, the punks in the hardcore kids to be at the same show. Were there a lot of straight-edge kids in your school? Because I remember at that time, it's like, you watch MTV, you think there was, like, straight-edge armies roaming the streets of Syracuse. <laughs> well, I'm not... Uh, I was from about 40 minutes away okay. from Syracuse in a town called Rome, but there, I actually had two groups of friends. Like, I had my punk friends that were straight-edge, and then I had, like, my more, like, hardcore metal friends that were not straight-edge at all. So it was, like... You know, one day we're going to the cemetery to go drink, and we're going to listen to, like, Lamb of God and Terror. And then another time we're going to go skateboard to the Straight Edge Friends and listen to, like, Subhumans and Minor Threat and stuff like that, you know? So. It seems like they have their taste backwards, these two groups of friends. Well, you know, <laughs> there's nothing else to do. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so they were in a band, my friends were in a band called Kingdom, which they didn't, they put out, like, a CD. King Dump? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> and it's tight. And then we used to play this barn, and it was so cool. But then they started playing with that band, No Fucker. I don't know yeah. if you ever heard of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we became good friends with Jesse and Don, and they, like, opened up their insane knowledge of punk and hardcore to us. So we're just like, what? So I feel like I cheated, because I, like, missed going through all the bullshit and just, like, jumped in head first to like they're like oh here have this plus of pink indian seven or plus of pink indian seven inch like i don't need it and i'm like oh and i go home and just like listen to it over and over i was on a secret message board for record collectors a couple years ago with one of the dudes from that band i think jesse probably and he has the craziest fucking record collection he's so cool it's nuts the stuff he's got yeah and he's also like the most insane guitarist in the whole fucking world but he just chills at his house. Like, last time I went home, it was awesome. I went home to visit, and I saw him at a gas station. I was like, oh, my God, Jesse. And I haven't seen him in, like, four or five years at this point. 
come here for four more days and take it out. He's like, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, You're yeah. not like, oh, yeah, sure, maybe. Like, he's, you know, he uh-huh. just listens to music and plays his guitar. And that's what he does. Were you collecting records at this point? Um, I started to get into it. Jesse definitely, like, helped that. Acquisition. I don't know about helped. It might have been, like, giving me a really bad habit. But, um, <laughs> Ruined your life. Yeah. Okay, Jesse. Um, but, yeah, so he... Like, he just had everything, and he had this, like, he was going to open up a record store in Utica, um, and that's kind of when I moved out here, so when that was, like, possibly becoming a reality. Uh, but yeah, then I just got, like, obsessed with records. I would go to, like, you know, I remember my mom got me into Alice Cooper, and I just, like, got every Alice Cooper record. I'm like, this is so sick. I just liked everything. Do you have the finger coming out of the crotch one? I don't. That's like impossible to find, right? I've never seen one. I've never seen one in IRL. I've seen it on the internet, but fuck you, internet. Internet has everything. What about wrestling? Was that in your life at this point too? Yeah. So with wrestling, I don't remember not watching wrestling. Like when I I was like born, and wrestling was on. Like my uncle (laughs) was obsessed with wrestling, and he totally passed it on to me and my sisters. My sisters kind of like stopped when they became like. Uh, I don't know, like 10 or 11, uh, but I was just like, I saw Luna Vachon, and I'm like, dream woman, so cool, and then I was like bummed that like no one looked like that at the grocery store or anything, I'm like, I don't know who looked like Luna, she's so cool, my mom would let me shave the side of my head, but, um, Did yeah. Did you have that haircut before Wendy Williams, do you think? You are like, who got have that cut first? No. She had after, do you think she's like a plasmatic stand? That's kind of what I'm hitting at. I don't know. That would be so fucking sick if she had been a plasmatic stand. She's so cool. She does. She's so cool. Too soon. <laughs> um, what, what about like wrestling kind of, you know, made you eventually decide that you wanted to, to do this? Um, that... So, kind of like everyone, like, I had, I was obsessed with wrestling, I would always, like, my uncle would work the night shift, and he would make me write him notes about what happened on Monday Night Raw, so he would come home, and could be, like, caught up, and then he'd watch the tape, because he'd make me also tape it on the stages, <laughs> and then we'd watch, like, uh, all the pay-per-views and everything. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of fell out of it when I got into punk, but anytime they would come around, me and my uncle would always go to the live shows. We did do a whole podcast about my crazy uncle. He used to make me wear a referee shirt in case anyone wanted to have a match with him. <laughs> he would be ready. And he had his own ref. So any fucking where you want to go, he's down. Uh, hey, was he trained at all? No. Currently, <laughs> currently his We're name so is Wildfire. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. Currently, his name is Whiskey Boys. Uh, he, he has to find a tag partner. But before uh, his gimmick was wildfire, uh, he's so fucking cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, he uh, he would make me paint his face and stuff. So okay, really quick. So <laughs> we we came out here. This before I lived out here. We came out here to Staples Center for WrestleMania 22 yeah. or 21. 21. 21. Thank you. Uh, and he lived out here briefly for like two or three months. Like in the 80s, and he's like, oh, I know LA like the back of my head. He don't fucking know LA like the So he buys the, t- buys the tickets. My mom gets us the hotel because she had like points on her credit card or something. So we're staying at the Marriott by the airport. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we can just walk. It's right up the street. <laughs> we fucking walked to WrestleMania 
at the Staples Center <laughs> from the airport. Hold on. He made me paint him up like the Ultimate Warrior. So he said full paint. Also, we used enamel for to paint. <laughs> so it wouldn't, like, under the lights and stuff, it wouldn't smear. Uh, I had the ref shirt on, and we were like, I can't remember. I can't figure out what, um, <laughs> I can't figure out which street. I'm assuming we walked down La Cienega and then crossed over some freeway. I, I don't, honestly, I can't remember. I just remember those things that are on La Cienega. Like the what are the people driving in the freeway? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, so we're walking, and we're walking. I'm like, Joey, where the fuck are we? And he's like, oh, it's right up the street. It's right up the street. It's like two hours later. I'm like, Joe, where are we going? He's like, oh, we're right there. So, oh, my so God. So that was that. So we get there. We're right next to, um, like, Billy Corgan was sitting in front of us during it. Uh, and he was sitting by himself in a trench coat with a hat on, <laughs> arms crossed, no reaction to anything for, like, four hours. He was scheming. He was, he was just sitting there. And then he got up and he left, and he took the train. He took the train? Yeah, how weird is that? Wow. I know. I was super surprised. On the train? Yeah. So then the next... Did anyone approach him? No. Whoa. Which was even weirder too. Like, maybe that wasn't him. And then everyone's like, oh, that was Billy Corgan. I'm like, it was him. Wow. Oh, no, I guess it's shit. And I was, it was weird. Um, but yeah, so the next night we went to Raw. We didn't realize that Raw was happening the next night when we bought the tickets because we got really good uh, tickets for Mania. So we got really garbage tickets for the Raw. And there's like maybe like five tiers. And so we were sitting in like the fourth from the top. And he had his wildfire gimmick on, painted up. I was the ref. <laughs> and we're sitting there. And there's a guy above us. And he just like yells down. Because like... My Uncle Joe is just, like, trying to get everyone, like, riled up, and he's just like, ah, like, shit-talking. There's some dark matches going on. Uh, and the guy above us is like, come on, wildfire, let's see what you got. And he's like, me? And he just, like, lit the fuck up. And was like, you want me to go down there? And the guy's like, yeah, gets all of his friends above us to start chanting wildfire. So my uncle, I kid you fucking not, I wish this was recorded, jumps over the guy that's sitting next to us, goes down the stairs, gets to, like, the edge of the tear that we're at and he's like you want me to go and he's like looking at the guy and i'm just like oh my god he's gonna jump oh my god he's gonna jump mind you i didn't have a cell phone at the time so i have no like way to get in contact with him if we lose each other so the dudes are egging him on he fucking jumps so we're all like because he can't see him right away and then like he find and then like maybe like it seemed like 10 minutes of my life but it was like maybe like 10 seconds later you see him running, and then he jumps the second one. <laughs> so at this point, everyone's like, yeah! And then he gets to, like, the second from the bottom, and he just gets tackled and thrown up. What's up with you two? You're like, I gotta go out the No, I stayed and watched the show. <laughs> and then I found him after. I don't know how I found him so easy. I just, like, walked out, and he was, like, sitting across the street really mad that they kicked him out. And he's like, I can't believe they did that, man. I'm like, yeah, I'm Oh my god, that's Anyways, the best story. So fast forward to now, and I'm training. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. Well, we come back and do like a real one on the phone or in person at some point on the show. Absolutely. Because this has been awesome. Tuna, thank you so much for coming on no the show. Problem, thank you. And Tuna's DJing tonight, and I, I'm not lying. Yeah. Best DJ, best DJ. 
Thank you to Robbie Brookside, Pat McCrory, Lars Fredrickson, Riley Gale, Anthony Anzaldo, MVP Bob Bruno, and of course, my good buddy, Tuna Tardugno, a pro wrestler, a DJ, singer in the band Dog Teeth, and future part two guest. Anthony Anzaldo will also be back for a part two, hopefully. Pat will be back for a part two, hopefully. MVP will be back for a part was it five, I guess, at this point? Uh, there's, yeah, and, and of course, Bob will be back for part two. Uh, everyone, Lars, got to do that part three with Lars. Got to do a part two with Robbie Brookside, like a real part two. But that's in, that's next year. Next year, there's a lot a lot of stuff to come. Uh, once again, thank you so much to Madison Woodward for bringing me out there to do this thing. And my gosh, live podcast. Every time I do them, I'm like, never again, so... Who knows? Uh, unless, and of course, when Vans brings me out to do them, that's that's a different story. Then everything's done for me. All I have to do is, is show up and, and smile. So, you know, thanks, Vans. Speaking of future stuff, next week on the show, that's right, Aaron McGee from Jackass. Danger Aaron for one of my favorite episodes I've ever gotten to do. This guy is incredible. I've known him for a very long time. And, you know, you know, as a fan, but then also as like a person as well, but to get to hear his story, it explains so much. It puts so much into perspective. So that is next week on the show. And then the week after on the show from Boy Genius, one of my favorite records of last year, Julian Baker. And this is also one of my favorite episodes. I think we're kicking off 2019 with a bang with these two starting it off. Julian is an amazing songwriter, but you know, where else but turned out a punk would it be cool to talk about, you know, everything from Madball to uh Tooth and Nail Records to yeah, this is a this is a really fun interview and that is in two weeks. So get ready. This is gonna be this is how we're gonna be doing it from now on. I'm gonna give you two episodes each week telling you what's coming up uh and that way you know you know you're like oh what's coming up after that and then after that you know so get hyped get hyped 2019 turned out a punk uh we got some big stuff happening we're gonna gear up to get to episode 200 200 we're working on something special uh so we're getting there we're gonna be there in a few 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 short weeks it feels like right now so uh send all your emails to turn out a punk podcast at gmail.com uh, we're going to be talking about launching something real soon. So, uh, yeah, get ready. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for uh, bearing with me through this last year. Hopefully you've had a better year. And if not, you know, I'm I'm sorry. And I hope next year is better for all of us. So that is it. Uh, I will see you next week on the show. Go out there and make your own culture. Please sign your organ donor cards. Please do that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Love you. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.